Hello, fans, and welcome back to Roll Up, the official Phil Singer Games podcast. I'm your host, Sam Fain, joined, of course, by Todd Gershel and Mike Molesky. We're so excited to have you back for the second episode of our new series here. And we're going to kick things off with the opening bell. So first things first, I guess we should say the new releases are in the mail. In fact, by the time people are listening to this podcast, they may have their sets in their hands. Todd, thank you very much. How did it go? Uh, it was uh, it was a wild weekend, uh, but uh, everything uh, came together. Luckily, everything was on time. Everything was uh, looking good and uh, didn't have to do any uh, last minute uh, remailings of anything. So that made me happy. <laughs> uh, That's a very nice way of Todd saying he didn't have to yell at me this time. No, I didn't have to yell at <laughs> I think yep. that's a wonderful way of saying that, Mike, your damage control was just on point. So, <laughs> um, Now, also, in addition to the releases being mailed, uh, we do have, thanks to uh, the speediness of the mail system and the craftiness of our fellow promoters, uh, most people will already know this, but we do have uh, a couple of names that were announced officially uh, on Wednesday for the Promoter Prime Legends um, set. And that's going to be, of course, Luscious Johnny Valiant and Greg the Hammer Valentine. Um, the, the Dream Team is now complete. And I say that in lowercase letters, Dream yeah. Team, not capital letters. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, it's a dream come true for sure to have. It's certainly uh, a dream come true. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Well, I think you know. I know there's some. You know, I think a lot of people were very much into wanting to get the new version of Brutus Beefcake. That was his tag team version. I think there was some sentiment like, "Oh, do we need Greg Valentine? Do we not?" Um, you know, I think. I think you know. First of all, having a compliment to to Brutus in this and really kind of focusing in on that era, I think was important. Another thing that I think that that our our team thought was important was, you know, the original Greg Valentine card that came out was a numbered card um, and didn't have the traditional Legends background that everybody else has within the game right now. Uh, So we thought, you know, if we're doing Brutus there, let's do Greg as well and and have that new team with with the kind of this the same look and feel of all the rest of the cards. Yeah, and, and having a Johnny Valiant card that depicts sort of his managerial career, I think, was, was another uh, thing that some people wanted. Some people were like, well, why do we need it? And should he have, um, you know, a chart or should he be a wrestler? And and I think, you know, it, it'd be a good discussion for another time. Maybe we could bring the, the Legends team on either this podcast or do it at, at one of our cons, Galacticon maybe, um, that to talk about why we we do managerial charts for some managers and then we rely on the I'll just say the, the regular wrestler or manager interference chart for others that that we put out and and I think it's you know there's a lot of reasons for it and we can talk about it but I think that in Johnny's case he was still a wrestler even when he was the manager you know it was it was a slightly different uh, style he worked at that point and 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 you know, I think his card will reflect that. I think people will see that put in, you know, gimmick in terms of it, it's his finisher. You know, he, he tried to work with his wrestlers on it, but it, it kind of blew up in his face sometimes. And I think that, um, you know, the, the team did a good job uh, sort of incorporating that different phase of his wrestling style. But then you get the inter- you, you get the distractor rating and, and other things as well with them. So I, th- I think it's a it's a good card that reflects uh, Johnny V's uh, time, you know, as a manager. 
So hope, hopefully fans will like it and hopefully they'll, you know, I, I like to progress guys at certain points. And I, you know, for me, I'm not going to use that version of Johnny V right away because I, he's still a wrestler in my fed. And I'm looking to work him that way, but I, I hope people enjoy it for those who want to do it more of like a replay of a certain era or things like that, or they're ready for that transition in their feds. So I think it's, it's a good card for Johnny. Yeah, absolutely. I, much like you, I'm, I'm not going to be ready to use him yet because the, in my legends fed, the valiants are, are kind of tearing it up as a tag team right now. Um, and I've, I've loved using them, but, uh, I I'm, you know, to me personally, this is exactly what, you know, prime is for is the ability to get these, you know, alternate versions. And for me, you know, I know that some people had mentioned like, uh, adorable Adrian Adonis or whatever. I, I feel like it's just too soon. Uh, you know, we didn't need him, um, to be, uh, adorable yet. We just got the, you know, the old, uh, gimmick card uh, from the last set. And, and personally, I, I think that it just makes sense thematically to, to release all three of these at the same time. Um, much like Todd was saying, having, Valentine with the background, having him have an official card, I think releasing him in prime is a great idea because I think what some promoters might not be thinking is like, could have easily released him in a set. And then you'd have people who are complaining about like, why do we need Valentine in a set taking up a set spot when, you know, we already have a Valentine card. And it's like, well, look, this is the best way to do it because there are a lot of promoters, you know, myself included that want to have that legends background that want to have, you know, the uniformity of that. And who knows exactly, I haven't had a chance to, to see the card just yet, but who knows exactly what tweaks have been made um, to the card uh, that, that will set it apart from the earlier card. So I'm looking forward to it. And, and honestly, I could see myself, you know, maybe even throwing, uh, doing a six man, tag team exhibition match between uh, the dream team and, and Valiant and uh, the Bulldogs and Albano. I think something like that would be a lot of fun to do. That so. sounds like a great six man tag. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and, and another thing I'll add there, you know, like, you know, these were all kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say remakes, but you know, alternate versions of guys that are already in the legends game, um, you know, coming up in legends prime later this year, you'll see some brand new characters getting their first card. You might see some other remakes, and I, and I'm sure like, uh, like we've done for the Indies before, I think there might also be some fan choices in there. So there's going to be lots of different opportunities for something, some different uh, things coming up this year in legends, prime Indies prime and um, lots to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always uh, uh, hesitant to steal the guy's thunder uh, from the legend team. I like them to be able to, to some break to some news to people, but I think that, you know, the key, that's going to be the thing you're going to see remakes, <laughs> of guys who don't have color cards yet. You're going to see um, alternate versions of guys, and you're going to see new guys. We, we've done it. I mean, anybody who uh, looked at the the Prime, Legends Prime brand over the, the last couple of years, we've done some real nice stuff with some new cards. Uh, so I, I wouldn't... No, wouldn't worry about that too much if I was anybody. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll do okay. It'll be well worth the subscription this year. We We, we, we certainly think so. There have just been, yeah, I mean, there have been some incredible cards released over the past few years through Legends Prime, and I, I would imagine that this year is going to be be no different. And you know, again, I'm I'm happy to to have these three cards uh, and these these versions of the characters with that kind of official Legends background. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. Obviously, that conversation has has already started on the boards. Uh, folks are folks are excited to get the, the the new stuff, but but are already looking towards the future. I'm sure there's going to be some wonderful stuff. Um, I can tell you what's in our immediate future, however. We're going to go behind the curtain. 
So one of the things that we wanted to do is take the opportunity on the podcast to really peel back the curtain and look at the behind the scenes of what happens at FedHQ. And we thought that this would be the perfect opportunity to start this segment off with talking about the way that, you know, a release kind of comes together uh, from, from not having anything on the drawing board to when Todd drops it in the mail for promoters. Um, so Mike, I'll go ahead and start with you. Um, how does a set kind of find its genesis? Um, we can even look at the the newest Legends set, for instance, um, or, or the IWTV set even, um, to, to see it, it how that might goes. Be from everything being... together, actually, really, I think, is maybe where we kind of start. With yeah, that. well, I, I, think, I think I think starting it off is if you look at, there, there's sort, I would call there's two different kind of categories. Um, but there's really three. I mean, we have the three product lines, and they all kind of evolve a little differently um, because um, you have our champions product lines that are, you know, there's a big creative process in there, you know, with the story, and there's, you know, you know we kind of know what's going to happen you know, in advance in terms of who, you know, what sets are coming out, but it's up to the, whoever's the individual writer on that to sort of deliver that process. And I think, you know, we can have another discussion in terms of how that sort of that creative process works for the, for the writers. Um, but, but I think that we can focus maybe a little bit more on, you know, the Indian legends in this discussion, because I think that's a, a little bit more, I'll just say cookie cutter as opposed to a creative process in terms of how some of the, the fictional stuff's written. Um, but if you look at, um, you know, legends is very much a planned out ahead of time as much as possible thing. I think uh, our Indies product lines a little bit more fluid um, in terms of advanced planning. I'd say we're, you know, with, with legends, we're 12 months out with Indies. We're six months out. I think that's probably mm-hmm. a good way Sounds to look right. at it. Um, I can tell game fans that there is a mysterious spreadsheet uh, for Legends that that has a whole plan out of probably a dozen sets. Um, it, it's probably I'd have to go back and count, but but it, it's somewhere between six and twelve sets at any one time that we have plotted out. We we have we know which um, black and white cards we want to redo. We know which maybe alternate versions of people we want to put into a set. And then we have targeted new people we want to do or signings that we know we have. Um, and so, you know, we work really hard to kind of get that. And sometimes we have a, a set planned for, say, December of 2021. And then we get a signing and we say, that's no longer December of 2021. We've got to, <laughs> we're going to do a different set because we want to get this in. Sometimes it's, uh, we're required to, um, there's certain people we've had agreements. You must do this within a year. Um, because they have other contractual obligations that they have to think about and, uh, they don't want to have us do something in five years. So we, we have to be cognizant of that sometimes, or sometimes it's just such a big name that we decide people are going to want this. Let's, let's do it. Um, and, and we sort of embrace the moment if you will. But, but like I said, We've got probably right now, um, you know, two years solid of booking uh, uh, on the legend side. Um, you know, not necessarily signings. I don't want to like tell people we've got all the signings we want, but we have people we know that we're we have contacts with or that we're talking to, and, and we have to be patient with that because sometimes, you know, it'd be somebody. You know, we'd love to do this set, you know, in December just for as an example. And then, but we need 
we need a, we don't want to do no new names for a set. So we have to get these new names and these are the people we think we can get. And sometimes people don't get back to you right away. Um, it just happens. Uh, on the, on the indie side of things, I think it's a little different. We, we have it about six months out. We, we know what we want to do, but we want to be responsive to kind of what's hot in, 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 on the indie scene. So we don't want to be too locked in. If, if, if we have an opportunity that arises to get somebody who's really, you know, making a name for themselves and put them into a set, I, we don't want to be like, well, no, we'll, we'll, we'll book in sometime in 2023. You know, that doesn't really um, work too good. So, I mean, Todd, you may want to talk a little bit about how that, cause you, you really take the lead on a lot of the indie stuff. Yeah. So, you know, a lot, a lot of times, yeah, we are, we're booking much more uh, short term and kind of seeing what opportunities come up. Uh, I mean, we have certain sets that we want to try to, you know, accomplish during the year, you know, last couple of years, we've been doing the best of set, which kind of, you know, fits within guys within, you know, throughout the Indies. Um, but then again, certain opportunities come up. So, you know, the IWTV one that came up recently, uh, was one that is a partnership that we kind of been eyeing and, and, and it kind of made sense right now to, to do that. Um, and, you know, as far as guys for that, you know, uh, I mean, Zeke is a huge, uh, you know, uh, help to us and kind of getting us in, in contact with certain guys or getting signings that stuff that he's done. Uh, but other times, you know, there's like, okay, we know we want to do something around a certain theme and we'll target guys that, okay, these are the guys that really make sense to include. And then, uh, we'll reach out. Some of them will pan out. Some of them won't, we'll have backups. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, ladies set that came together last year, that one was kind of iffy, I'd say in the summer. And then, uh, you know, Ty reached out to a couple of different people. We got a couple key names. It's like, okay, we can really start, we can really do this for December and then kind of filled it in with a couple other names of, of ladies that we really wanted to target. And luckily, you know, a couple of them uh, agreed to be part of it. Uh, So it's really a matter of like who we have that we've made contact with. And then really from there seeing who we want to try to target and which ones that, that kind of make sense within uh, uh, the, the, the people that we have access to. Uh, So it's very, very fluid. And, you know, as far as partnerships, um, you know, well, Todd, I, I, think, I think I think you brought something up good there, though, is that it's it's a real um, fluid process with yeah. whether it's indies or legends. When we have targeted sets that we want, we have identified you know people we want to work with, um, you know, and and who we have contact with, maybe, and who've indicated some level of interest in in, in pursuing it with us. Yeah. But but we don't always they don't always say yes no, right they away. Don't. They yeah, don't. And, <laughs> and and sometimes they just they come back six months later and it's a yes or a year later and it's a yes. Sometimes it's always, it's never a yes. I won't say it's a no because it's never a no. Um, right. so, you and, know, someday and, we may come back to it, but. And there's sometimes where we target someone and we're trying to get a hold of them and then it doesn't quite come through. And then we are going to go with our backup. And then the last minute it's like, Oh no. Okay. I'm, I'm in. And we get it. So that's what happened with Tessa Blanchard in the last super set. You know, so we, we had a piece of art already done for uh, Mercedes Martinez that was, you know, going to be that last, you know, car to remake of her. And then Tessa agreed and was like, okay, well, we're going to get her in because, you know, that she's, you know, one of the hotter names in, in uh, women's wrestling. So we were able to fit her in. And then, you know, we're, we're just, we try to be adaptable with that and, and you know, make whatever the best set is uh, available at the time. Um, 
So yeah, again, we're, we're looking at other partnerships, but it has to be like the right kind of kind of time to do it. The kind of right the right uh, deal. There, there's a lot of different moving parts with that. You know, I, I think there's been some questions about oh, well, let's do another Ring of Honor set. Um, you know, uh, you know, there's there's you know different relationships, different things change within companies, and you know, some of the people that we've worked with in the past might not still be there. So, like, you know, we have to kind of work things out a different way. And, you know, it's not to say that we can't revisit certain things and you know, different promotions get hot. And, uh, but I, I think there's a lot of different opportunities that we have on the table with the, with the Indies line. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times it's, you know, whether it's, you know, getting a best of and just trying to get whoever is hot in the indie scene or the hot promotion, you know, uh, we're always trying to look at different uh, different uh, aspects there. I, yeah, we have a couple different things in the works uh, for later on this year. Uh, nothing is set in stone. As a guy right now, I can tell you, you know, I have a pretty good sense of what's going to happen up through Galacticon. Uh, but what's going to happen after that? I'm not 100 percent sure. Legends, I think we have a very good. I, 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 I know. Most of the year. <laughs> And, and uh, you know, we're, I, I would say that the more fluid things for, for Legends are the, uh, I'll call them mini releases, when we do like mm-hmm. a two-pack or a four-pack. Those we're a lot more fluid with. But, I mean, yeah. I know who the headliner is in December. So, right. you know, it's, it's it, you know, you know maybe we get somebody else to go with some of these people. We, we always are looking to add to it. Um, but then once we get to that part, you know, when we say, okay, we're in the release cycle. Uh, for this vintage set, we'll take uh, Sam's advice and use that as a as an example. Um, you know, if you get there, what we do is I you know talk to the Legends team and we say, okay, these are the names we're thinking about. You know, maybe you know I know that just like the uh, promoters on the, on the discussion boards will debate. Well, is this going to be is this last name going to be Ed Lewis or is it going to be William Muldoon? I think was one of the yeah, that was the, popular that was discussion. Yeah, that was one of the popular things. We have those discussions now. We have the benefit, maybe not of. It. I, I don't think it came down to Ed Lewis or William Muldoon for us, um, but but there was some question, and, and it was, you might say, well, this is the list we pick, and then we go, well, wait, what about so and so? How about so and so? Do we want to use them here? Do we want to save them for something else? So that that discussion goes along. And once we've we've come to it, and, and and you know we'll you know talk to Tom and say Tom, how do you feel about this? And and Tom will give his thoughts on it. And then we go, hey, you know, okay, we're good, guys. Have at it. Whether that's the you know in an indie environment, you know we have you know Zeke and Ty and some people tend to work on those. Yep. The the Legends team tends to work. You know Corey, Chad, Tim, Stu. We get them working on. Um, the legend set. And so, you know, Chad, Corey, and Tim start quite frankly, well, vintage was a little different, I'll say, in that there wasn't quite as much match footage to watch um, as some other uh, sets that we do. Um, but, um, you know, they, they, those guys actually read books. They read, you know, they, they looked up, you know, news releases, you know, you know, archives of newspapers. I mean, they, they did a great job. I mean, really looking up, you know, doing a lot of research and spending hours, you know, really getting into like, well, you know, this newspaper described this move, but then you look at it, that's not what he did because every other newspaper described it a different way. So you're trying to figure out like, you know, was it a, was it a choke hold or was it a sleeper hold? You know, like those kind of things. 
And those guys do a great job researching that. And then, you know, they come up with, you know, preliminary stats that then they'll send to Todd and I, and, and we look at them. And quite frankly, most of the time they've got it right. But I think that, um, you know, we'll also maybe have some suggestions based on, you know, our experiences and, and our research and things that we do. I know uh, certain guys, I'll go back and look at footage of, you know, a dynamite kid um, that, that I'll, I'll want to, you know, really get into because, you know, I have a, a personal memory that may be different slightly than what I'm seeing on the card. So, you know, I, but I think that and then I'll raise issues with the guys um, in terms of, well, I see that. And sometimes they'll say, no, no, we feel stronger, better. Sometimes I'll hear, well, yeah, we were kind of on the fence about that. So let's switch this to that and, you know, make it, uh, you know, you, you're kind of the tiebreaker on it. But but those guys do, uh, when I say they do the work, they do the vast, 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 vast majority of the work. And, you know, Todd and I tend to come in a little bit towards the end of the cycle and just make tweaks. And that's about the extent of what I would uh, on the legend side, I'm kind of like the last line of proofreading. Yeah, really. I kind of let them run with that. The only thing I'm usually myself involved in occasionally is the art references. Um, well, so yeah. I, yeah. So on the indie side, I run a lot with the art references there as far as the backgrounds and, and the poses and stuff like that. A lot of times on the indies, I will also run it by the wrestlers themselves. Sometimes they're like, oh, no, can you use this? And, you know, a lot of times I will find, especially on the women's sets, the women are much more opinionated on which, uh, which photos to use, which is, which is great. I love having the feedback from the wrestlers. They'll be like, oh, that's a, you know, promo shot from, you know, nine months ago. This one I just got done last weekend and give me something new, which is great. I love having that. And it's nice. Also, we get some really good high quality ones there on the legend side. Like I'll, you know, sometimes jump in and help out with that process and, you know, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll come up with like maybe like three or four different potential poses. And we try not to repeat if it's a, especially if it's a remake of a black and white car, we try for the most part, not to do what we did in the black and white for the most one part. or two exceptions to that. Two exceptions. Sometimes it's hard to avoid it, you know, but uh, we, we try to, so we, then we'll kind of go vote within, within, you know, within the group. And sometimes it might be like, oh, okay, let's go with this. But can we do this outfit with this guy? And as I Steve said, being a great example of that from Prime, you know, Prime. like we had we had a pose yeah. with an outfit, and you know, like those kind of things that we'll we'll do. And Werner, you know, does it tolerates us quite quite patiently. Yes, <laughs> Werner is wonderful in doing that. Uh, but but I think that you know to Dodd's point, you know, the, the art's sort of its own separate parallel process that's yeah. going on while the stats. Are, are are being reviewed and, and, and put together. So I think it's, um, and then it kind of all comes together at the end. And then we get, you know, everybody agrees on drafts and sketches and inks. And then we kind of get to the point where it's like, okay, here's a proof of what the finished card looks like. And inevitably you would think that through, you know, looking at stats on a, a sheet of paper or a screen computer screen, we get all the, kinks ironed out but inevitably they get on the page and there's something somebody notices you know we got we're missing a ropes or there's a choice you know we we need uh, we need we only have one choice up on on the card we need a second choice up so you know and and that's actually probably the most um i don't want to say stressful but the most 
like sort of intense part of the whole thing is right there at the end. Everybody's just looking at proofs, trying to make sure they miss something in the whole process. And then we go to print and, and hopefully I don't say stop the presses, although I will admit that has happened. <laughs> it has happened. Um, yes. <laughs> it has happened um, where I've had to literally walk on the floor of, of the printing press and say, don't print that any more of those. That is just stopping. It's literally happened. Um, fortunately, it's only once. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, we, we, I think we, we've, we've, found, we've caught things at proof where, you know, it's literally, uh, we've got a printed proof and I've, we've had to go back and say, nope, there's a problem. Actually, um, IWTV is a great example of that. Um, we had we had a proof. I, I looked at a hard copy proof on screen that the shot looked fine. But if, if everybody you know looks at their IWTV cards, we've got their logo very transparent, but it's there it, behind the Hikeway hometown uh, piece of the card. And what looked good on a computer screen when it was printed did not look right. So we actually had to tweak that and say roll it again. Let's let, let's see how that looks. And, it, and it, I think it turned out, uh, you know, hopefully fans like it. We wanted IWTV brand to be sort of uh, showcased while still recognizing the individual promotions that were involved. So I think that was a good, uh, you know, maybe people don't notice it. I don't know. I thought it was a cool way to, uh, to kind of give recognition that way and to sort of help promote our partner in, in that uh, set. So. Yeah, it's very very unique here that we had two different logos on the back of the card. That was you know a challenge there. I know a lot of times when we've done maybe some different you know logos, we had like a you know uh, one of them maybe on the front of the card. Here we had the unique backgrounds. I think everybody the, the one feedback we got from a lot of the indie cards was they like the unique backgrounds for the characters and not the promotion backgrounds. So we're trying to do more of that. So but. We wanted to represent both of them on the card. And I think, you know, we came up with something, you know, I think Mike came up with a great uh, compromise there, but getting it right, making it look right, and still being able to have a usable card uh, was the trick here. Um, you know, and one other thing I'll mention on the IWTV set is, you know, we had the, the extra step this time of, you know, identifying the promotions uh, and getting the, you know, blessing on IWTV there and then going to each of the individual promotions and getting the blessing on the wrestlers. We had wrestlers that we suggested for each one. And I think for the most part, we kind of went along with that or we, we, we asked, there was a couple where we kind of had some, you know, who do, who would you like? And I know like Paradigm Pro came back with a couple and they mentioned Myron Reed. We're like, well, we love to do Myron Reed. You know, he's, you know, I think a lot of fans also, wanted some representation from uh, another promotion that he works with uh, MLW somewhere in one of the sets. So they're like having someone that kind of represented multiple ones, but still was very, very integral in a lot of what IWTV is doing. I, I think it made, a, it made a lot of sense to, to do him. And so that, that was great having that. Uh, so that made it a little bit more complicated here where we had multiple people we had to kind of go through, but I think it was, in the end, I think it came together as a really neat set and very unique. Well, and, and, and just just to give people, since this is the behind the curtain segment, um, you know, just so people know, Sam had to step away from the microphone for a minute there, and so then Todd and I started talking, and we haven't let Sam get back in since he came back, even though he's been waiting patiently probably yes. ten minutes now. 
So but no, you know, the truth of the matter is, is I obviously I don't have a lot to add to this because, you know, I'm not involved in, in a lot of this. I mean, this time around, I was involved in one step because I did write the bios for the IWTV handbook, which was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed, you know, doing that. But, it, you know, even then, my involvement is, is so small. So for me, even it was just great to hear about some of this. And I've heard some of this before, sure, but, you know, not not as intense as this and not uh, as in depth as, as being able to really get it idea of that whole arc you know from from the beginning to to the mailing so it's been it's been great i hope hopefully listeners will agree <laughs> well, well the only thing I'll, I'll disagree with you on slightly sam is you said you play a small part i think each part is you know no matter how small is so important to the whole process um you know whether it's the person there's we have people out there who help sign these wrestlers you know make connections that that, that lead to signings of wrestlers we have you know helping write bios i mean you know, Pike Mojo helped out, you know, with some research on particularly uh, Earthlinger and, and, and Fenton in this last set. And, and and all those little, little things, maybe you view as a little thing when you're doing it, really adds up to a big thing because it helps move this process forward. So, you know, whether it's, you know, you've helped get us a lead to somebody to get them in the set or you've helped write bios or whatever, you help write stats in some cases – Whatever it might be, it's a big part, even though it may seem small, it winds up having a big impact, maybe is the best way to say it. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the things that I noticed, you know, right off the bat when you were talking about, you know, kind of getting stats together. And, and Mike, when you took a look at cards and, and, you know, would go back to like the Legends team and say like, hey, I remember he did this move. And, you know, I, I love that the collaborative effort, you know, the fact that it that it's not just one person deciding on these things, especially for, you know, in, in the case of legends in particular, people that, uh, you know, we all have our own memories of. And so you want to be able to capture whether it's, you know, a specific moment in time or something that represents, you know, a larger breadth of a career, you really want to be able to duplicate that for fans once they get the cards in their hands. And and I think when you put, you know, more minds behind that process, the, the better chance you're going to have of something that truly represents that. So I I, I love hearing about that. And, you know, my own background, I, I, I mean, I've always really loved collaborative processes because I think that, you, you know, you can really create something special that way. Um, because, you know, the thing is, it's, it's, it's such an artistic endeavor, too. It's not just limited to, you know, throwing some stats on a card. It, you know, having somebody draw a picture uh, and, and, and getting it out there, there's there is an art to it. And, and uh, I, I think you guys have done it justice, uh, honestly, in describing the, the way that, that goes. Uh, I will ask Todd, you know, we, when we get to that last step, uh, you were telling me a little bit about it earlier today. And I thought it was a great story because uh, you had some help this time around in your mailings, didn't you? I did. Yeah. So, uh, you yeah, know, my, my, my daughter, who's uh, 13 now, uh, she's looking for some extra cash there. So she's like, okay, you got a new mailing. How can I help? I'm like, all right, let's, let's, let's make this go. Uh, let's make the, so she helped, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, well, we don't, luckily with, uh, working with, um, our new printer there, I don't have to do as much manual collating all of the cards, but there is still the kind of rubber banding and kind of prepping and stuff like that. It's not as much. Wait, 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 hold on. We collate. There, there's collation. That goes on. <laughs> so, so there's collation that happens there, which is great. It saves me a whole other step of collating before rubber banding, before doing all that, which is fantastic. And I absolutely love it. But uh, yeah, so she helped out with that and kind of prepping so that when it was time to mail, I just had to kind of take the stacks of cards and kind of put them in the right thing. And uh, 
you know, if you're missing a card, that that's not my fault. That's her fault. You can blame her. <laughs> yeah, wow. if you really want to pile on a, a 13 year old, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, you, just, yeah, like just just blame the 13 year old there. But, <laughs> but you know, that's, uh, yeah, I, I think as I mentioned before, I I know what it's like to be a game fan, so I don't like to let people wait. You know, we you know were able. Luckily, everything worked out well. I was able to get the cards on. Uh, Saturday afternoon, um, you know, I, I returned home from the Pinewood Derby and I was like, all right, time to get to work. And, uh, Pony Saturday, Express came through. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they came through. So, yeah, so yeah, between Saturday and Sunday, I got everything prepped, ready to go of all the pre orders. And, uh, and by Monday, you know, I kind of did a couple of trips, uh, to the post office, uh, during the day and I did all the, your priorities and expresses. So if you, if you paid extra for your mailing, I made sure that you were the number one priority. And then uh, after, after work, I, uh, I went and did all the first classes. I'm like, all right, I want to make sure everything is in the mail today. Then I don't have to worry about it. Uh, so, and then, and then, and you said, uh, it's all out there. I want to make sure it gets to people as fast as, it, as we can. Uh, and always try to hit those dates that we, we promise things by. Um, but yeah, I, I've got my system down pretty well. I adjusted a little bit this time. We are looking at some alternate things in the future as far as some different kind of mailing services and stuff like that that might see some tweaks, hopefully for the better with that. But uh, yeah, still my, my goal is if I'm getting the cards, they're getting out within you know the next mailing day, I can possibly get it out if I can help. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, obviously, I, I know that that we're also appreciative of that because there's nothing like getting that that package and seeing that that logo in the corner. So uh, I'm looking forward to to receiving mine uh, for sure. You know, and and it's it's one of those things too. I've heard the Legends guys talk about it over on Uncharted Territory. I think they even mentioned it when they were on you know KOPW. But like the idea that just because you've worked on a card or just because you've seen a PDF of a card, like there's nothing like the feeling of getting the physical card actually in hand. Um, and you know, and the same goes for me is it's like, you know, I've seen all the, the IWTV cards for instance, you know, but, but like to actually have it in my hand will be one thing. So, um, I know, I know everyone's looking forward to it by the time this podcast drops, most people will probably, you know, start to have them in their hands or, or shortly after that. So oh, sure let's, let's not jinx anything. <laughs> Some yeah, people well, we know will have them we know in hand. Have December went you know come on yeah, right. it's, it's got to be better than that though i, I have to think so i would certainly say so i ordered something recently uh on a saturday uh it was like an e something i bought off ebay and it was coming from california and i had it on monday i was shocked like credit first of all to the guy that shipped it to me because i didn't pay for shipping you know it was one of those things like free shipping or whatever but like i couldn't believe it got to me that fast uh, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully people will have them soon. Uh, if they don't already have them by the time this drops. Um, but, uh, I, what a great look at, at kind of the way that that process works. And I know that in future behind the curtains, we'll go even more in depth on like individual pieces of the process. That's certainly something we want to talk about. Um, but I think that this has just been a great overview. So thank you guys so much for that. And, and, you know, and thank you for the, for the work that you're doing, because obviously, y- y- you know, you mentioned coming home from a Pinewood Derby, you know, your daughter pitching in and helping out, obviously she's getting a little something out of it, but, uh, you know, and getting all that stuff out, you know, in a turnaround 
turnaround of less than 48 hours is pretty impressive, you know, and, and, and Mike, you know, like you're saying, you know, being able to, to, to kind of spot those issues and, and also kind of have the, you know, the, the, uh, uh assertiveness, just be like, we got to change this right away. We got to get this on, you know, so we can meet a deadline and everything, you know, that type of work is, is, is not easy regardless of the form that it is. So, um, kudos to you guys for making sure that it runs as smoothly as it does. Yeah, it's definitely a team effort. You know, all of us really, you know, work together as a team, uh, especially that that last crunch week, you know, making sure that everybody is looking at everything one last time. You know, uh, go. I say the, the biggest chore I'd have to say is going through the handbooks and all the text through that. I think going through sure. the cards is probably a little easier because it's like, okay, you can kind of see certain things there. Going through the handbook text one last time is sometimes like, okay, we got to do this and you know, but yeah. uh, in the end, we, I think we, we do a pretty good job with that. And then once all that's settled, we figured out how to get online done. So, yeah, that's <laughs> right. oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Once, once it's mailed, then then it's like online and then proofing of online. Yeah, I finished proofing online stuff last night after I you know got the last thing mailed out. I came home and uh, I proofed the online cards so they'd be ready to go to people because I know those those guys. Uh, they, they shouldn't have to wait too much longer than everybody else. Right. So. Well, you know, and something too, that like, I'm sure the uncharted territory crew is going to cover uh, at some point. And I would love, you know, for us to be able to talk a little bit about it too, but this, you know, round of releases had that added extra wrinkle of having charts as well, yes. you know, so it wasn't just the cards and the handbooks, like, you know, we're talking charts, which is generally something that, you know, is not involved with these, like maybe you'll get a special match. Maybe there'll be like a manager chart or something like that, but this is, you know, a full into the ropes into the turnbuckle out of the ring choice. Yeah. I, like, yeah, um, I don't think we've done this, anything on the, that level since I think it was expansion back. Was it two Todd? Expansion back two. we did the, uh, the two. The now two that was in book. So that was the difference. Was that was book. an in yeah, book chart separate. versus separate charts. This one had a little added, well, uh, level of complexity to it, but but I think that it was it was something that I was thinking about, and then Chad, I think it was, came up with the idea. He said, you know, I really maybe I'm crazy, but we should do this. And I said, you're not crazy, let's do it. Um, you know, like because yeah. I think it's appropriate because you know we can argue about the different styles of one Fed versus another and how significant they might really be, but if you look at like vintage wrestling versus today wrestling it is so different i mean yeah. there, there's you know the, the the spots you know that we have in today's wrestling i know there's purists you know either way will say they'll have their argument about the merits of it and everything else but but i don't think anyone regardless of how they feel about it would argue that you could argue there's a the 80s difference between the 80s and now how significant is it etc but the difference between vintage and now is so stark that I think it was such a good idea. And I think the charts, you know, they work perfectly uh, with the era. I, I won't say we executed them perfectly. Hopefully people will feel so. But I think that, that, that they captured the feel of that, um, you know, era of yeah. wrestling. Yeah, I've had a chance to look at them. And, you know, certainly at first glance, I mean, I, I think that they're in, in some ways not to, you know, descend into hyperbole, but they're kind of revelatory. Like they really are something that you look at and you're just kind of like, this is going to change the way that I play the game in particular when it comes to those vintage type matches um, and, and add kind of a new dimension and, and spark a lot of creativity and imagination, which, you know, obviously I think is something that, 
you, you know, you go back to the beginning or you look at like, you know, some of the stuff that Tom's written is kind of one of the whole points of the game. So I think it's very true to the spirit of that. And, uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's perfect for the set without a doubt. So on that note, I think it is time for us to do a little bit of the character spotlight as promised. Uh, we're going to kick things off with the one and only star warrior. We could start at 2087, but why would we do that when we could start at the beginning? And the first Star Warrior card chronologically that we got would have been the Classics card uh, from 2079. And uh, it's an interesting card. Um, Mike, I'll start with you. What are your memories of, of that particular card? Well, I, I, you know, I think it was one that you know people wanted, I guess, for a couple of reasons. The, the biggest one was... You know, he was, and we will get to the 2087 card a little later, but obviously people had high expectations of him. But the backstory about him being a tag team partner with Cosmos was, I think, one of the big uh, interests of people in, in, in getting the classic set and what would that team look like. And so, how could, you know, what, how did Star Wars come in? What was, how was he different? How was he the same? And, and, and I think that it was, it was just such a cool set. Um, yeah. to, to get, you know, that was the first one was 2079. Yeah. So it was, you know, it, it had never been done before, right? It was the first look backwards, uh, in, in Champions of the Galaxy history. So, and, and, you know, I think, you know, the big things were, you know, Star Warrior, everybody wa- wanted that with Cosmos, you know, what did that team look like? And Omega, what was Omega the champion going to look like? So that, right. that set, that was sort of, that was sort of the co-main event, right? The Game Masters and Omega, Prime Omega. So I think that, you know, it, it was cool. You know, I mean, we got sort of a not quite as good, youthful Star Warrior who wasn't yet ready to be a main event guy, but he was a good, a good tag team partner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Todd, for you, you know, seeing that his finisher, he had, he had, double finishers both of them were the sadist sleeper so you know a guy that we were used to seeing you know come off the top rope with right, either Nova launch yeah. or cosmic big bang like you know here it is we're seeing his rookie card and he's got a sleeper hold what did you think of that uh i mean i yeah it's interesting that yeah, you'd always think of that but i guess maybe he was kind of taking on the old family you know grappling style there before he really kind of came into his own as more of the high flyer that his dad probably never was uh, so yeah, very interesting kind of seeing that, that, that kind of, you know, where he kind of started his roots in wrestling. Uh, very, very interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, for me, one of the really cool things about using that card in my classics fed is that of course, Cosmos started earlier. So Cosmos already had, you know, some time under his belt before, you know, he got put into this tag team. And I just thought it was a really interesting way to kind of take Cosmos, who was kind of like the original rookie of that era and, you know, put him together with this other, you know, the super rookie, uh, and, and have that tag team get started. And, and, and to be fair, they, you know, uh, they've struggled quite a bit, you know, they've, they've won quite a few matches, but they've yet to win the big one, which is kind of surprising for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, who knows? We'll see. I'm not quite to 2083, which will bring us to the next card, which of course is the early classics star warrior card. Um, now Mike, obviously, you, you've got something to say about this card, I'm sure. 
tell us a little bit about the creation of that card if you can. Well, I, I wanted there to be, um, you know, I, I think the the beauty of early classics, and we've talked about this a little bit before, Sam, on on uh, your other podcast. But but I, I think that it was about filling in gaps, right? And so how does you know, we we know in some cases we know point A and we know point B for sure, right? Twenty eighty seven, but but how did we get there? So you know, getting you know Star Warrior as maybe a little. He's clearly evolved his skill set. He's he's a better wrestler than he was in 2079. Not quite to 2087 yet, but but he's you can see it's it's coming that that development. But also maybe a little cockiness, a little brashness that that comes with you know evolving your skill without necessarily having the humility to understand um, your place in in the world. So. I, I think, you know, it, it, that was sort of the card. Um, the idea was to evolve that tag team, but have him still be dedicated to the tag team, um, uh, you know, and, and still be, but you can see the skill set develop, I think, if, if uh, memory serves uh, correctly. Yeah, no, I would I would completely agree with that. And I think that one of the things that is a really nice transition, especially from that 2079 card, is that his time as a tag wrestler has clearly you paid off because he's got a tag finisher now. Um, I love the fact that, you know, he's got that end game finisher, which of course is a finisher that he and Santos would have later on when they teamed back up down the road. Um, so that, that plays in really well with the overall storyline and, you know, he's got a couple of tag moves and, you know, just seems a lot more well-rounded while also, you know, starting to, like you said, really show that transition. And I, and I love, you know, one of the things that was my favorite about the early classic set was the fact that, you know, you did that for a couple of characters and obviously Omega being one, you know, the idea that like, you've got this super powerful card that came out with the 2079 set. But then when you get to 2087, it's like, Whoa, how is this the same guy? And I like that you were able to kind of bridge that gap. Um, Todd, any, any thoughts about that 2083 card? Uh, I mean, I think you hit on everything there. I mean, really kind of like, yeah, getting that explanation of like, how did he develop in there was really key, really kind of focusing in on, okay, this is a, this is a tag team that's to be taken seriously. Um, and, you know, giving him that card that, that kind of brought them up to that, that next level, I think, uh, was, was really key. Yeah. And, and, and I think seeing that, you know, it's just really cool when you get to see that he's dedicated himself to this tag team, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, right. Like, like he's got the, the tag finisher and, and to see that then, you know, that, that makes, you know, Santos's betrayal all, all the more, you know, impactful to Star Wars, the character, right? You know, that, that he's dedicated himself to this team. He's, he's trusted Santos with, you know, to work together with him like this or Cosmos to work together with him. And then he becomes Santos and betrays the team. It's not just Omega. He betrays, he betrays star warrior. Right. And, and you know, they're like brothers, you know, kind of thing. And so it's, you know, that, that was another neat thing about the, that card. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the, you know, the arc that, that we see with star warrior coming in as this, you know, fresh faced second generation wrestler teaming up with cosmos getting better you know and not just getting like better but but excelling and then all of a sudden you know a few years after this things just fall apart you know there's the there's the attack 
um, uh, Cosmos turns into Thantos. And then we get really one of the most interesting cards, as far as I'm concerned, the Star Warrior ever had, which is, of course, from Son of Bash, the Avenging Warrior card. Um, it's interesting because the card itself is not that different from the 2087 card. Um, you know, the, the move set is, is, is pretty much locked in. There's a couple little differences here and there. Um, the, the defense is, is pretty much exactly the same. It's just the offense. that's a little different. Um, but what a cool thing, you know, to, to, to do, to have this sort of vengeful star warrior, um, after what happened, uh, you know, with Thantos, he kind of, you know, goes, in the opposite direction of where we see him in 2087. Todd, what are your thoughts on, on that Avenging Warrior card? I mean, well, I, I, I did, I guess the real reason for it was, you know, the, to kind of make a storyline, uh, um, you know, make up for the original ad, which I guess is the, the real reason for it. But, you know, but I think providing a cool storyline behind that, I think was really great. Kind of like fitting that within the whole mythology. Like why was he in a mask there in, in that ad? And I think really kind of adding to the whole story of Star Wars through that was a great twist by Tom. Yeah, yeah. Now, Mike, I'm curious because I know that there had been some talk and, you know, some inferences, you know, through the years kind of seeing this this particular version of Star Warrior almost as like, you know, kind of the the, the crow version of Sting, you know, as, as sort of like somebody that, you know, has, has just kind of has to do this. Uh, what do you think about that comparison? Well, I, I mean, it's a little different in that Sting kind of took that persona and ran with it, right? Whereas, right. you know, Star Wars, it's a very short piece of his career. Um, it, it, it's very brief. Um, so I, I think it's, but it's similar in that, you know, somebody, you know, came to a moment in their career that changed them, right? You know, that, that altered them. I think that, you know, the difference is, you know, is, is sort of the the path six months, 12 months down the road. How does that change? You know, in Star Wars case, he went back to sort of who he was, but more a little more humble and um, aware of himself. Whereas Sting, I think, was already humble and aware of himself, perhaps at that point in his career, and so he he kept it, you know, more as a persona. But I think it's an interesting comparison. Um, you know, I, I think that it's also a great bit of fan service by Tom. You know, people saying, "Well, this was in the ad. What? How did that happen?" So, right. You know, okay. Well, let's. I don't know. Let's make up a story, and you let's know, it, it out. <laughs> and it worked out. You know, it was it was kind of cool. So I, I, yeah. I kind of like that. I like you know, you you had something that didn't work out, and you and you and you make you know lemonade out of the lemon. You know, made absolutely, and, and not to spoil it, kind of seeing it come back again later on was was a nice little touch to it too. Yeah. Yes, I completely agree. I, I remember when that happened. I was just you know, I, yeah. I, I will talk a little bit about that in just a minute. Um, so of course that takes us to twenty eighty seven, the initial set. Um, you know, for me, when I got the set, it was you know it was clear uh, from the get go who was supposed to be the hero. And, uh, even though I enjoyed many other characters and eventually just got really into Wolf as being like the guy for my fed, make no mistake that for, you know, for the first, you know, good while of playing like star warrior was the man, you know, and he didn't win every match, you know, his card wasn't necessarily designed to do that, especially when going up against Thantos, but, uh, he was, he was the guy, you know, and, and, and I loved having that heroic character, um, to play with. And I love the fact too, that in the, you know, in the bio that, that Tom writes for him, 
he's not just a guy who gets in the ring and, and, and wins matches and is the hero that the fans cheer, but he's doing things behind the scenes, you know, bringing massive in, helping to turn Wolf to the, you know, the hero's side. He's, you know, coordinating stuff with the other teams. I just love that idea that he's, you know, that, that he's a leader in addition to being like just the hero. Um, you, you know, cause it's one thing for somebody to be Superman where everybody looks up to you, but one could argue that Superman's not really the leader, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't really lead the justice league or something like that. But in this case, it's like star warrior was the leader uh, of that hero team as well. And a perfect foil, obviously for, for Thantos. Um, Todd, any thoughts on that first card? Uh, I mean, no, that's, that's a really good, uh, you know, good summation there that, yeah, that, that he really was the linchpin for the heroes. I mean, obviously a big thing kind of getting started off was kind of understanding the breaking of the galactic code and then what that meant for Star Warrior and what he had to do to kind of like, all right, now there is here heroes and villains. Thantos really is like, you know, mobilizing everyone on the, the villains team and now he's the galvanizing force on the heroes team and how important that was. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, great, great kind of real lead to that. Yeah. Wolf. I, I agree with you that probably Wolf was probably the guy I'd maybe focused more on in that time frame uh, as, as a wrestler, but as a kind of a, a team cohesion guy, star warrior is definitely that guy on the, on the hero side. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, to me, I, I, you know, it's funny. I know, I know people say that, but to me, Star Warrior was impactful, and you know, he was my first champion. Um, mm. You know, when I ran, now he dropped the belt immediately to Santos. Uh, you know, <laughs> and Santos held it a while, and then he won it back, and then immediately dropped it back to Santos. And and you know, early on, it was a lot of Santos, but I think, you know, he was. I think he and Santos both were six-time champions in my set. You know, mm. like they, and and ironically, you know, even before he got to the next card, we'll talk about. He actually started having some decent reigns with the original card. Um, yeah. You know, you know, and um, I think that um, you know, at least from my perspective, it was he was the leader. He was the leader of the heroes for me. You know, in the early years, I don't think you know. Gosh, I think Wolf won the title for me you know, in 2088 briefly, but he didn't, I don't, I mean, it was in my earlier, Wolf's my most prolific champion along with, I think with Endgame. Um, but, but in the earlier Star Warrior was much bigger in my title scene uh, in terms of winning it. And I always thought he was the man, you know, that 2087 card for me was like, he was, he, he was the, the face, you know, the top face in, in, in the GWF. Absolutely. And and I think that, you know, one of the things that, that was really interesting to me is that he, he struggled in 2087 for me. He did win the title at one point, dropped it back to Thantos. But 2088, for whatever reason, he was just on a tear and he held that title for probably the first like six months, I think, of 2088 for me until wow. Bishop Hell, who had, who had come in and taken the Fed by storm, won the interplanetary title, and then they had a double title match. Uh, at like my star bash card, which is in July and Bishop Hell took the title from him and held both the titles, which is a huge, huge moment in the early years of my fed. But, um, but yeah, he, he, you know, that, that original card could absolutely hold its own. Now, one of the interesting things to talk about even kind of beyond the character is how much of a result 
of, you know, what some people would call power creep. Uh, do you think that that second Star Warrior card from 2090 is? Do you think that there was kind of a, a moment where Tom looked at it and thought, you know, Star Warrior might not be able to hang with some of these new folks, and I really want him to still be one of the, you know, the guys. I've got to give him a more powerful card. Or do you think it was, no pun intended, always kind of in the cards to give him a bit of an upgrade at some point? Todd, I'll throw that to you. It- I think it's probably more of a need for an upgrade. I mean, you know, Thanta started his career earlier than 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 Star Warrior as well. You know, I think logically it kind of makes sense that he maybe has one more progression uh, to go. Um, yeah, I think he kind of hung with Thantos, but uh, you know, for me, I mean, I did say my my Fed really started a little later on. I didn't play as much in the the early years there as I did really in the later War Games years. Um, myself so like i'm more used to the 2090 card and that one for me i think really held its own a lot better than mm. you know the, the couple times i have played out the 2087 to you know 2089 era i, I don't think i mean star warrior i think will hang with thantos but maybe isn't you know if you put him against everybody in the fed maybe wasn't as strong as that that second card and really maybe needed that second card to really get up to that next level yeah. Now, you know, one of the things too, obviously, that, that we kind of neglected to mention is that the Nova launch, which was the, that original finisher, uh, had transitioned now into the Cosmic Big Bang, which, you know, it started off as just being kind of a splash off the turnbuckle. Um, and, and now here it is a, a 450 splash, um, which it wasn't identified as that in the original handbook, but obviously that's what it was. You know, we, we know from the move description. Um that I mean, that in, in and of itself was is, is a pretty big transition too, because that that finisher was you know very powerful and and obviously supposed to look uh, or could be potentially very powerful. It was a roll finisher, um, and and you know in your mind's eye was obviously supposed to look pretty spectacular. Mike, what did you think of the new finish? Well, I, I mean, I thought it was great. It was a great example of how you know he didn't just get better at his finisher. Like it wasn't just like a you know, oh, he he does it more effectively now, right? You know, like that that that's you know a common way you explain it. So I mean, I think it was it was a headline character who had a headline change to his move to explain why he was more effective, but also why it wasn't as effective. So again, Todd said it's a role finisher, so sometimes it wasn't quite as yeah. great. I, I thought it was it was really cool because. I think, like Todd said, in, in looking back at it, you know, he he was at a different point in his career in 2087 than Thantos, so it made sense he still had that step up. Um, right. And 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 I think it was, you know, I mean, and he had success with me with that card. So I mean, I, I was a, it was a, it was a really cool um, card to have. So I mean, you know, I, I thought, and it was the first update, really. I think wasn't it? It was within the first set of updates. right. It was the yeah. first set. It was the first set with updates. And since he was the top, you know, baby face, it was kind of appropriate that he got that, you know, that first big update. Yep. Yeah. 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 I. I. I yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, now, of course, going forward, you know, the interesting thing is that it would be quite a while before he had another update, which in this case would be a downgrade uh, in 2098. Um, and that 2098 card also saw him reforming that tag team with Thantos uh, and and adding that in-game uh, finisher, um, which I just think is... Uh, 
I don't know that, I mean, that card was, um, for, for me, when I remember getting that card and reading the handbook in particular, that was almost, to me, it was one of those things where it was more about what was in the handbook than it was what was on the card, uh, mm-hmm. even though it was a huge change for the character that we'd had before. Um, Todd, what were your thoughts on this card? No, I thought it was great kind of seeing these two guys who were longtime rivals come together, back together as a tag team, and really taking it by storm. And they were hugely, hugely impactful in my in my fed. Uh, yeah. they won the championships a couple times and they're always like really, you know, brought, I think brought the tag team division up another level by having them involved in it. Um, yeah, it was a huge, huge storyline change there. Mike, for you, um, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, when early classics would roll around, you know, there would be kind of a nod back to this, but you would get to explore some of the time that they had had been a tag team before. Uh, How influential was it for you to see them as a tag team again? Well, I mean, to me, it was cool. I think that, um, you know, when you when you did that, it it was neat because you had the 2096 version of Santos. Um, that had come out when he was injured. He was attacked and injured by chaos and, 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 and crew. And it was, you know, it was a humble Santos, right? You know, who now is you know, been injured. He, he doesn't have that main event status as a singles wrestler anymore. And so he had to sort of swallow his pride a little bit and be the wrestler he was, not the wrestler he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, Star Wars comes to comes to it a couple of years later where, okay, I don't have it anymore, but I could be bitter about it or I could just throw myself into this tag team I'm now a part of. And, and again, we get back to the baby face. Like he is now, he says, you know what? I'm okay. It's not about me. It's about the team. And I'm going to dedicate myself to be more tag oriented uh, as a wrestler. So I thought it was a nice little career arc to his in-ring career. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there was something again about kind of the story that was being told that, that, you know, uh, kind of almost eclipsed to the, the card, which in a way, you know, with that 2090 update, it was all about the card for me. It was like, wow, look at, you know, look at this new stuff. Whereas here it was really, it was really firmly about the story. Um, now, obviously, uh, like I said, it was kind of a, a downgrade. Um, there was a certain, you know, humility and, and grace about the characters, you know, kind of transition. Um, but I, I think that the, um, that the next card that he would get in 2105, um, you know, really was, you know, this is, this is a guy in his twilight years, as far as the, his in-ring career is concerned. Um, you know, Mike, for you seeing that 2105 card and, and where he was, um, what, what did you think of, 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 of that, uh, of that card? Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's tough. It was, it was sort of, you know, a mixed feeling because like I said, he was my first champion and I, I always, you always kind of, you, you root for certain guys and he was one I rooted for and I didn't really want it to end. You know, right. it, it was sort of, um, you 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 get a little bittersweet about some of that, and you're like, well, you know, he's really really cool, and I really like him, and then now he's a manager, right? Yeah, yeah. that's what happens. That is what happens. So you're like, yeah, 
but I'll admit to not being, you know, I, I wasn't really thrilled with him to downgrade to tag, you know, as, as a fan, like I understood it. It made sense. It was the right decision, but it was always kind of like bittersweet. Yeah. Not my, you can't be like that top of the card guy anymore. And then to have him be the manager, it's like, yeah, I guess this is the right way to do it. Man, I wish I missed him as a main eventer. You know, that's that sort of right. where you, you know, but I think it was, it was the right call. Like he was always a leader. He was always a team builder. And, you know, from the very first set. So it made perfect sense. So I thought it was better than him going away for sure. Yeah. You know, one of the interesting things too about kind of transitioning into that managerial role is it, it's, it, it was, he had, you know, he still had a decent card in that for that 2098 card, but, but now it was just kind of like, there's no, you know, there, there, there won't be any big singles send off for him. You know, it's like, it's, it's clear that this is, this has happened and now he's just a manager, um, which. And I, and I was viewed it as sort of like, he didn't want to end up like his dad a little bit, mm, you know, like sure. where, he, where he's, you know, he got the, he had a front row seat to seeing his dad hang around a little too long. Yeah, that's, that's a, a really point. good point. Yeah. <laughs> right. One of the things that's fascinating to me about Star Warriors arc, you know, from from 87 to 2105, not to even mention the classics period is that, you know, it really was one of the first characters, impactful characters, especially that kind of fulfilled that promise of what the ads even said, you know, is that these characters are going to grow, they're going to change, they're going to retire, they're going to, you know, new people will come in. It really showed the arc of that career. And I, and it was something that I always appreciated and, and, and really, you know, loved about, about that character. Um, and this is the role that we would see him in un, unchanged, um, you know, until he, he got the boot, basically, um, which would have been a few years later in 2109. Right. Like he because he because he stayed. Um, I'm, 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 I'm foggy now, it, but 2109 was his last year as a manager until takeover. Right. I believe that's correct. I'd have to go back. Or did he book. get? Yeah, I'm trying to remember myself there. Yeah, because he, he stayed behind. Yeah, the, that's what it was. He didn't go to Central. He stayed behind. He stayed right, behind. That, yeah, right. Yeah. Because the family, you know, he, he wanted to be there to support. That's right. I think yeah. was, was, I think with the storyline. Yeah. Came back and take over, and then eventually with sudden death. That, you know, now, yeah. Now, of course, so he stays behind, and then, of course, you, you know, uh, we we get the the comeback of, of wrestling to to our proper dimension, and uh, and and things go a little haywire because Bloodline um, is is now you know the biggest heel in the company, the the turncoat. He's he's left the family in the lurch, and so what does Star Warrior do? But we get a, a Takeover twenty one twelve special edition card avenging warrior returns and he even had that crowbar chart on the back of the card which i just thought was awesome um and uh it it took him from being you know the the, this white meat baby face for the 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 bulk of his career to now really being something of kind of this you know this tweener you know it's like do you you, is, is it okay that he's doing this stuff because it's not the type of stuff we want to see him doing but the reasons he's doing it or so what did you think of that card doug uh, no, it was a shocking thing. I mean, obviously, you know, seeing, you know, I think we got a little preview before with the, uh, the bash set and the avenging warrior there, but kind of seeing him kind of in our modern timeline was kind of, a, kind of a shock. And, uh, 
But yeah, I think I thought it was a great kind of reaction to like seeing his, you know, well, his son, or I guess we didn't know necessarily at that point if it was his right. son or if his brother that, you know, kind of turned on, on the family and his reaction to it. It was kind of almost like his brother, Thantos, turning on him many years before and him having an adverse reaction to it. It's kind of seeing the same thing come back again you know, decades later. So I thought that was, that was kind of neat. It was a wonderful parallel. It really was. And, and I think it helped to kind of bring that character full circle because of course, just a couple of years later uh, in the 2114 sudden death set, he would, he would lose the sudden death challenge. And, and that would be the last basically that we would see of star warrior, you know, in a proper GWF set. Now his storyline certainly continued because it was revealed in, in 2119 that bloodline, like you said, was his son, not his brother, uh, which was kind of a, you know, a bit of a shocker. Uh, and then of course there was all the mother superior stuff that would happen after that. Uh, but one of the cool things is too, is that star warrior would be at, uh, in charge of, um, the GWFZ for a while, uh, which was the kind of the developmental fed, um, you know, before FTR. And so I think, um, I think, you know, if anything can be said about star warriors overall arc throughout the, the years, uh, that he had cards and even, you know, after he kind of faded away, uh, up until a certain point, he was still intensely involved in some big angles and big storylines. Um, and really what more can be said for a character that, that had that progression. And then of course the fascinating thing, we're not going to talk about these cards right now because I think we'll save it for another uh, spotlight down the road, but star warrior is still basically a player. Uh, and you know, I mean, all you have to do is look to Centra to see that, that he's, you know, he's still, yeah. his impact is still being felt, even if it's not the same star warrior. Um, and again, we'll talk about that right. more in the future. I, I, Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Todd. Well, I think it kind of like plays to like, you know, as you had to say, it kind of plays to like, you know, if he didn't retire and become a manager in 2105, he still tried to figure out how to wrestle, you know, what right. would he have become? And I think that's kind of cool that we got to see that glimpse as well uh, with the Star Slayer. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. Um, so as, as the wrap up here, let's, let's do kind of uh, the, the promoter roundup, if you will. Um, Todd, for you personally, in, in your own GWF mythology, where does Star Warrior stand for you? Um, yeah, honestly, for me, in my history of, of how I did, like he was, he was always a player, but he wasn't always one of the top focuses of my promotion. Um, a lot of my promotion, especially, you know, once Chaos came in, it was very much about him and who was trying to take him out. And by that point, you know, when I really was, was getting into it, you know, Star Wars is one of the guys who would never really the focus there. So I think I missed out on a lot of those prime years and I might go back and, and try to play some of those years one there and really try to, to get him more into that, that focus in the, those early years. Well, you know, I hear that these new reimagined sets are a wonderful way that's, to get in. That's the... <laughs> what I'm thinking. Yeah. Especially in online now that it's so easy to roll out uh, a lot of matches, you know, uh, in, a, in a quick manner. So I think I might have to go and fill in that part of my history. I kind of missed out on. Yeah. Uh, Mike, for you, where does he stand? I mean, you've kind of already talked a little bit about it, obviously and be your first champ, but where does he stand in, in kind of your mythology? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it's, it, he's, in the early years, he is the baby face and he's the, the guy who assembles everything. You know, he's kind of, um, 
he has that pivotal sort of role. So to, to me, he always was important. Now, I, 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 with Todd, I agree that when chaos shows and then Alpha Force shortly thereafter, it sort of takes the spotlight off of him, right? It's, it's the cards evolved now. Like even Santos is kind of, you know, scratching and clawing to be relevant at that point. Right. Um, so yeah, it, 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 it's, um, it, it's definitely a change, but to me, it doesn't take away the fact that those early years, you know, he was a pivotal piece of it. So I, to me, it was, he's, you know, he didn't have the, I'll say the staying power of say an end game or someone like that who, you know, for, for a long, I mean, end games got about what now a 17 year run where he's a significant player in the, in the fed. Yeah. You know, Star Wars didn't get, I mean, if we take out the classic period when he wasn't really a singles wrestler anyway, right. Um, but if you take 2087, you know, he's really got, you know, 10 years. Uh, yeah. I mean, 10 years is a really relevant main event guy. It's, it, it's, it, it's not quite the run that, that some other guys had, but it was, to me, it was still, um, you know, significant. And, you know, I, I remember he main evented a lot. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me personally, those, those early years, you know, the first three years or so of, of my fed, uh, especially game time, not real life time. I mean, he was, he was the guy for me, uh, you know, so much revolved around him, even things that he wasn't necessarily directly involved in. Um, he was still certainly uh, a part of all the, the major headline matches and feuds and, um, you know, always had great matches. Uh, I, I've mentioned it before, but, you know, one of the longest matches in my Fed history was between him and Comrade Terror, which was like an hour real time rolling the dice. Um, and uh, I, I think that the, the match he had with Bishop Hell that I mentioned earlier would, would always be kind of a very special moment in my Fed's history. Um and, you know, he continued to have great moments, uh, uh, kind of like he was saying for those first 10 years, but he, but he certainly wasn't as big of a player, uh, you know, once you had guys like chaos and alpha force come in and, and bigger things happening, the, the gladiator civil war, you know, there were other things that were taking kind of more of a spotlight away. Uh, but he's definitely one of my favorite characters. He's definitely uh, a guy that, you know, to use the cliche first ballot hall of famer, you know, uh, and, and, uh, I I'm looking forward to being able to play, out those years again because it's always been my intention even though i've been doing it slowly that once my classics years get to 2087 i'm going to start over basically i'm not going to just marry it up with my old 2087 i'm going to do 2087 all over again so i look forward to getting able to getting a chance to do that um all right to close it up here we go favorite piece of star warrior art mike go uh i'll go 2087 because it was in that first package I got. Absolutely, Todd. Oh, jeez. Uh, um, I'm gonna go with 2090 actually, because it's just the one that resonates the most with me, the one that I remember the most. All right, all right. I'll be honest with you. I think I was gonna say 2087 as well, but since Mike already said that, I'm actually gonna be a total outlier here. I'm going to go with 2105. I think there's something lovely about the that art. It's a good piece of art though. Yeah, it really art. is. I yeah. It really is. I think it might be Bendis's best, you know, Phil Singer games piece of artwork, honestly. 
Like there's something about it that just works for me. Uh, cause some of his artwork is, is, is a little all over the place in my opinion. And I mean, I love the guy, don't get me wrong. He's a brilliant writer as well, but, uh, uh, that might be my favorite, one of my favorite pieces of his. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, 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 he, he's had a lot of great art over the years and, and still continues to get some really good art with, you know, the, the reimagined set. So, uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens if we get to 2098. Um, favorite set of stats. I'll go first 2090. Todd. Same. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that's the one cosmic big bang all day. Mike. Yeah. As much as I love the 2087, uh, cards to me, that was the first, Big update. I mean, I know Pulsar Prime got the update too, and, and, and but but to me that was the one that you went, yeah, like it was just cool. Um, yeah. So I think, well, I think we'll be unanimous on that one. I, I I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. This has been a, a lot of fun. I'm glad that we got to do Star Warrior for our first character spotlight. I, I feel like there was no more fitting name uh, to start with, and uh, certainly we'll we'll be doing more down the road. Not only keeping it to Champions of the Galaxy, but also with Indies names and Legends names, we'll do a spotlight every now and then. So um, looking forward to to more of those. This is certainly be one of the longer ones because we covered yeah. somebody like Star Warrior who had so many cards, but. Um, that said, uh, uh, thank you guys very much for that. Let's go ahead and um, I think it's time to go home. Yeah, Todd, I think so. Uh, so yeah, I mean, just want to give a you know, a, you know, a little bit of shout out here to all the fans that uh, tune into our first episode. There, uh, you know, successful first episode. Uh, we had uh, you know uh, fans tuning in from around the world. So wanted to give a you know a couple shout outs to some of the countries that tuned in. So obviously we have a you know, number of United States and Canadian listeners, uh, a number of folks in the UK, but did want to also shout out to our promoters in uh, Ireland, uh, Norway, uh, Denmark, of course, you know, uh, <laughs> Stu's favorite. Uh, and also a promoter over in the Philippines, uh, Joe Bear, who, uh, you know, friends with uh, him on Facebook, uh, shout out to you. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just the, uh, hopefully we get, uh, some more fans to tune in Germans. Where are you? I know you're out there. I send games over to you guys. Come on, start tuning in. Let's go. <laughs> Well, uh, I think uh, on that note, uh, yeah. we'll 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 definitely uh, call it a, a night here. It's been it's been a long one. We started the night off over on uncharted territory, actually, uh, for for Corey's fortieth birthday. So, shout out to the guys over there. Happy birthday, Corey! Uh, it's it's always a pleasure to uh, to drop in and, and talk with you guys. We had a lot of fun, and uh, looking forward to, to hearing what folks think uh, of their latest episode when that drops. Um, and, uh, hopefully, we see uh, more of those guys soon. Come Coming up at the uh, um, Road to Galacticon kickoff as well. So yes. one thing I will say is definitely if you've not signed up for yet, it's free to sign up. Come and join us that weekend, whether you're a Legends and Indies fan, whether you're a Champions fan, sign up for one of those days. Free to attend there. Come and join for us for the tournaments or just come and check out all the announcements and, and Q&As and stuff that we got going on. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, hey, if you've not ordered your sets yet for uh, War Games 2091 uh, or the new Legends Expansion 7 or the IWTV Indies Expansion, what are you waiting for? Slide Todd some cash. He's got the cards. He'll just, you know, drop them off to you in the mail. 
It'll be an easy, smooth transaction. You'll be very happy you did so. Uh, or of course you can go the online route. There's nothing wrong with going the online route. I love online. I'm a huge fan of online. There was a period where that's all I did. Um, but, uh, you know, I got to have those cards in my hand as well. So, um, these days I do both. Or, or Sam, you could do the instant gratification with the online. And then w- while you're waiting for that, that order to come in the mail. So you can have the best of both worlds. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I, I you know, I, I don't have anything else. Mike, you got anything else? Man, I'm just, uh, it's, it's a great day. I'm, I'm, you know, again, happy birthday to our friend, Corey. Uh, glad that, uh, we, we got to spend some time with him today, but, uh, you know, thank you to all the promoters for all the, you know, support, all the reaction. Good and bad. You know, for those of you who, were, who didn't like something, that's okay too. We love the passion. We, we love, um, your, your suggestions and, and, uh, we love the feedback. So keep tuning in and, uh, keep those dice dizzy as a friend of mine says. And you know what, you know, here's the thing. It's like you mentioned earlier for anybody that might not necessarily be jazzed about uh, a particular release. Doesn't mean that we're not going to get them back down the line because there are great things in store. So uh, Todd, you got anything left for us? No, I think we hit it all there tonight. Yeah, definitely. uh, You know, we're going to go dark a little bit on the teasers over the next couple of weeks, but we're going to start hitting them hard. Uh, again, after that uh, kickoff event, uh, leading up all the way up and through Galactica, we have uh, stuff planned, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have some more news on exactly what's going to happen at Galactica uh, pretty soon as well. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, thank you all so much for joining us here on episode two of Roll Up, the official Phil Singer Games podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we're going to have a special interview, so we're super excited about that. Our first interview segment, uh, and of course, we'll probably have a couple of other uh, opening bell announcements and a few other wonderful tidbits. So make sure you join us for episode three. But again, thank you all so much. It's time for us to go home. So somebody ring that bell. <laughs> <laughs>